It's two in the morning. It's late. You're tired. Your trauma room's been full. You all know this. Picture yourself there. Can you see it? How do you feel? Are you tired? Are you energetic? Do you even know up from down? You're probably juggling numerous thoughts in your mind at this point. And you just kind of take a moment. And then it happens. The EMS phone goes off. Welcome to Recess Tonight. I'm Rob. Hey, it's Alan over here. So we've got uh, we've got friends in our Recess X series, hey? Man, it's like more than... Like, it's not just my mom contributing to the podcast now. Now we've got friends. We're having a bromance with bros. There's a girl here too, man. Bros can be gals. So maybe we can go around, everyone can introduce themselves, and then we'll get onto this topic because I think it's a really important one and it's one that uh, most eMERGE practitioners, or if not all, should be very aware of. So maybe we'll start with this handsome man in the green shirt. Thanks, man. So, I'm Angus, uh, one half of EM Centered. It's, uh, it's awesome to be back on the show. And you're an Emerge Doc, yeah? Yes, Emerge Doc in uh, east coast of Canada, Moncton, New Brunswick. Very nice, and this handsome bearded man. My name's Salim Rezai, everybody just calls me Sal. I'm a community ER doc down in San Antonio, Texas, and uh, run a website of my own called Rebel EM. Very nice, and, and you, ma'am? Ma'am, so official. My name's Jacqueline. I'm an, uh, an eMERGE nurse, the other half of EM Centered, and uh, yeah, that's it. You know what, Rob? I don't think you and I have actually introduced ourselves in a few months. So I, I'm an eMERGE and ICU nurse uh, in Canada. And, uh, and I'm an eMERGE nurse, also a pre-hospital background, but now I'm more of a thinky-about-how-we-teach-y kind of guy. Yeah. So why don't you introduce what we're talking about today, Alan? Zero point survey. Wow. Okay, so there's that. So we're going to be talking about something called a zero point survey. And and I'm really happy with the crew we have today because we have eMERGE docs. We're going to be thinking about it from one perspective. And we're also going to be having some eMERGE nurses who will think about it from a separate perspective. And I think together it makes for a really good interprofessional topic. The irony right now, there's two docs on one side and the nurses are on the other. It's true. It's yeah. a little oppositional. Yeah, a little oppositional. Just, just the view of it all. I'll, well, I'll have the listeners know that you guys set the room up this way. That had nothing to do with the physicians you, in the room. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with Sal. You told me where to sit. I'm you also, actually moved me. You know what? That's what most nurses do anyways, right? They just tell us where to sit. <laughs> too soon? Moving hastily along here to the podcast... Uh, Kim, do you want to start about the bones of the zero-point survey? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, could we frame it in a case, maybe? Yeah. Would that be helpful to the listeners at all? Zero-point survey. I don't even know what to do with that, Alan. But anyway, if we think about it like this, so I, I'm sure we've all had that patient, you know, let's say 37-year-old male um, involved in a high-speed MVC. Uh, they're ejected from the vehicle. So right away, you know, this isn't going to be good. Um, and 
the information you get from your pre-hospital colleagues is that, you know, um, thrown from the car, GCS is 9, heart rate's 105, uh, BP was initially 75 systolic in the field, that's plumped up a little bit to 100, and they let you know that they're about 5 minutes out. Now, I don't know about you, but 5 minutes is a long time in emergency medicine. Would you agree? 100%. Yeah, that's a good amount of time to wrap your brain around something and you know, maybe throw a granola bar in your face really quick at 2 a.m.? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get to that for sure. But um, so, yeah, so with, with that five minutes, wouldn't it be nice to do something? Like we all, we all know our alphabet, right? We all know our ABCs or I should say CABCs uh, in this situation. But wouldn't it be nice to have something um, that I think a lot of us do anyway, but it's just putting a name to a tool that we already use that we can kind of standardize uh, across the board. So we know our primary survey. Is there something we can do before? And that's where... I'll leave it to Alan. Zero point survey. Yeah, that's where the zero point survey comes in. Okay, cool. So walk me through the logistics of this thing. Because previous to maybe a couple of weeks ago, I had never heard of it. And so I want to be educated. Help me out. What does this look like for you? And then I'm going to throw it over to Salim and find out what that looks like for him. So Angus, hit me. What does this look like for you for this fellow who was unfortunately ejected from the vehicle? Yeah, so I, I think that uh, when, you, when you look this up, uh, it's kind of broken up into the step up mnemonic. Um, so the first three letters being preparing yourself, then your team, and then your environment. And you can do all of that before the patient even arrives in your trauma bay. So, I mean, for me, preparing myself, uh, I break it up into mental and physical preparedness. So um, if I've had a really busy shift, uh, maybe I haven't peed, or maybe I need something to drink, or I'm hangry. So I might grab a granola bar, you know, eat that, run to the bathroom. Right? So at least in a prolonged resuscitation, you don't have that nagging bladder sitting in the back of your mind that makes you kind of more ornery than you need to be. Um, and then the mental readiness is, I kind of follow what, um, I know if you've, uh, I'm sure many of you have heard of Mike Loria, but he put out a really good paper that uh, basically he talks about beat the stress fool is what he talks about. So uh, breathing, um, seeing, um, talking or positive self-talk and have some kind of trigger word that might focus you like I got this or we got this to kind of recenter yourself mentally. Yeah, those are really powerful pieces. I totally agree that especially that positive self-talk. I think we as healthcare practitioners sometimes forget how powerful that can be for us to recenter us. Yeah, absolutely. And then so once you kind of sort yourself out, then it's your team. So really for me, that's uh, identifying a leader allocating roles and pre-briefing your team. And I think this is huge. I think that every resuscitation team needs a leader. I think that's just of the utmost importance. And, but just, you know, like we've talked about at this conference, you, you can have co-leaders. That's okay. Your leadership can be a fluid model. You know, maybe that, you know, you know that this person's going to do, well, you're going to be our team lead. But all of a sudden, later down the road, that person is the best person for whatever task is at hand. So that person's now going to become task-oriented and not team-oriented. So you can flip that role and say, hey, I'm going to get, you know, Alan to now do this, and then I'm going to do the airway. And then when I'm done, maybe Alan continues or maybe I take over again, right? But leadership is huge. Role allocation, 
that is extremely important that is where your team really I think comes together and and trusts you as a leader and one of the things I like to do is not only make sure people have assigned roles but make sure they're comfortable in those roles right it's not fair to put somebody maybe junior or not used to using something and say hey you're on the defibrillator cool right maybe they're not trained in it maybe they don't know how to use that one so speak up and say you know i'm not comfortable with this hey no problem let's move you here move you there and you know what if your team's comfortable they're confident and if they're confident they're going to communicate and that's huge in a resuscitation and then lastly it's just the pre-brief and really i divide that into three things what do we know what can we expect and then what do we do Right? So what do we know? Well, we know, we know the case. This guy's gotten thrown from a car. So, you know, his vitals are, are crappy, right? His GCS is low. So there's what we know. That's, that's pretty straightforward. So what can we expect? Well, probably a head injury. Um, sounds like given a shock index that, you know, he's probably gonna need some blood or blood products, right? Maybe he's got a pelvic injury. Maybe he's got a pneumothorax. So how do we prepare knowing all that? Well, we just keep adding on. So let's get advanced airway equipment to the bedside, airway team if you have it, if you don't, you know, whoever you can. Let's lay that pelvic binder out on the, on the stretcher before the patient even arrives. Let's get at least a couple scalpels to do, you know, finger thoracoscopies, decompress the chest. Let's have those ready. Um, let's put our blood bank on notification. Maybe we need MTP or maybe let's, you know, send down two units before activating it. But all things like that, I mean, by then the patient arrives and we're not in chaos. We're actually very clear headed, clear minded and prepared. As someone who likes organization, this makes me happy on the inside. I, I feel just better already. So, Salim, what, when you hear this case and you're working through your idea of a zero-point survey, where's your head at this point? What do you see? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I agree with everything Angus said and, and really don't have too much to add. There's a couple of things he said that resonate with me that I just want to, to kind of emphasize for the listeners. So the first thing is is making sure you do go to the bathroom before you get ready. I, I can't tell you the number of times I'm like doing the happy dance because I didn't go void before the, the trauma or the code came in. Um, the positive self-talk thing really works. Um, that I, I find that most of us get super nervous, patient is sick, there's like life and death going on. And so getting those like negative, like imposter syndrome type thoughts out of your head and talking positive to yourself are really, really important. So that's from a physical and mental standpoint of self. For the team, um, I find that the more organized you can be before the patient gets there, the smoother the resuscitation runs, just period. And people feel more organized because they know what they're doing instead of like kind of looking around or constantly looking to you. And the one thing that I think you guys definitely advocate for is the, the nurse-led code is that I oftentimes will remove myself as being the team leader and have one of my more senior nurses actually kind of ensure that we're getting to all these steps, knowing that I'm going to have to be doing all the different tasks like intubation or a chest tube, maybe your finger thoracostomy, or I'm going to have to get central access, whatever the case may be. And then as far as the ergonomics or the environment, 
I'm already thinking through, I got this patient who's shocky, basically, who was ejected from a car. They're probably gonna need a massive transfusion protocol. So I'm gonna have my rapid infuser up at the head of the bed ready to go. I'm gonna have my ultrasound machine by the bed so that I can quickly do a FAST or an EFAST to see exactly what's going on. I'm gonna make sure that um, the nurses, you know, are next to a Pixis where they can rapidly get medications that we need. I don't want to be fumbling around for that stuff in a reactive way. I want to be ready ahead of time. I'll have chest tubes sitting out, you know, I'll have Dopplers if I need to like Doppler something. I'll have like a Crike uh, kit sitting like by the bedside. So I'm thinking worst case scenario so that if that worst case scenario were to happen, I can just quickly reach over and grab what I need instead of sending somebody running to like, hey, I need somebody to go to the blood bank and get me two units of O negative blood, right? I, I want all that stuff ready to go ahead of time. And this is so, so key, this concept of the zero point survey. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's awesome. But for our listeners, I think a great way to translate this is what does that mean for the nurse, right? So I hear a lot of really important things that need to happen in a short amount of time, but I hear a lot of stuff as I look across this side of the bed that we're talking, to do. So, Jacqueline, Alan, either way, what do you think when these guys are talking about the stuff that needs to be done? Where does your head go in this choreography? So, for me, I love the zero-point survey, and where my head goes is organization, as you said. It's, it's big for me. Sorry. It's big for me as well. So, the thing is... I can do the self-talk, and I do. I do my, like, I go pee, I tell myself I got this, and I sometimes eat a granola bar while I'm peeing. Probably some TMI there, but, you know, whatever. So that covers self. Then with the teamwork, with knowing the roles and how we're going to resuscitate this patient that's coming in, it just, it makes things so much smoother. And as Sal had said, the resuscitation is we know what's going on. We know the pre-brief. It just, it just, it's music to my ears. From a logistics perspective, the two for one of peeing with a granola bar, I actually, that's a great one. I'm going to take that and start peeing while I eat a granola bar. I, or you can have a cliff bar or one of those Alera bars. Those are pretty good. We are not uh, sponsored by either of those products. No, again, the sponsor to this podcast is my mom who's donated $15 in one of those little red envelopes. What's What jumps out to me about the zero point survey though is what do we know and what do we expect? Because the vast majority of the time is trying to get stuff ready in them. Like, have you ever tried to set your rapid transfuser up when the person's actively hemorrhaging in front of you? It's the worst. Right, Jack? It's the like, worst. Suddenly I've got two left thumbs and uh, one eye doesn't work and I'm sweating profusely so that the roller clamp won't actually unroll. So if we know that this is probably going to be a mass transfusion, you can have the time to get it primed and ready to go. Um, And it gives you that time to think as the nurse, because we're the best ones at executing it. So free up that time. Five minutes is a really long time. So if I could add one more thing to this. so. this isn't something that just magically happens. Like there's hopefully from Angus's response, like people can see there's a lot of thought that goes into this. And one thing I would advocate for is even running simulations with like a full team. 
um, where you have a pretend patient come in and you have like the nurses kind of, you know, go through a checklist of things and then have the docs go through a checklist of things. And, you know, what are some things that we need to have ready ahead of time? This doesn't just magically happen, right? Because if somebody's not thinking about a rapid infuser and then you're trying to squeeze that into this tight little room, but when you run simulations and practice this stuff, you're like, you know, it would have been really helpful to have that rapid infuser up at the head of the bed instead of bringing that in like halfway through. And so I really advocate for getting the team together as a simulation before you actually get these patients to kind of figure out the ergonomics of your room and where you want to set things up. Yeah, that's a really, really integral point. And I think about our colleagues back in BC uh, with uh, Chelsea and Joanne and Jamie and their in-situ sim uh, program that they're massive advocates for. That's a great time to find out the pinch points, right, is in the in-situ sim of this. And it wouldn't take that long, you know, to set this stuff up. They're doable things. And it doesn't even require high fidelity simulation. This is something you can do strictly lo-fi. One of the things we're exploring is if you could get your charge nurse or team lead, you know, write up a little, you know, case vignette for them. They come into your trauma room and they give a heads up to people, right? You give them five minutes or three minutes or whatever you want to do. And they prepare themselves as they would. It's just that no patient comes in, right? But you're still going through the motions. You're doing insight you simulation, but you're doing so at really zero extra dollars. That's a pretty impressive return on investment, I would say. So let's see. Does anyone have any closing points that they want to make sure we reiterate? Because there's a lot of great stuff we've talked about today, but I want to make sure we've has a good have a good summary in place. Angus, any maybe one or two points that you want to make sure you hammer home? I think it's just all about the, the, you know, in the step up mnemonic, the big three are self, team, and environment. And so, you know, don't neglect yourself. And as silly as it sounds, we've talked about going to the bathroom, we've talked about granola bars, hopefully hand washing in between all of that. Um, and don't neglect the, men- the mentality either. Some positive words um, goes a long way. So yourself and then your team. Again, roles, team leader. Um, and then prepare your environment. Salim? I mean, I'm going to echo what he says. I mean, it's basically before the patient arrives, you want to take care of yourself. You want to make sure the team is set up and organized and you got your environment or the ergonomics of your room all set up. I like it. Jack? What they said. No, <laughs> no in all seriousness, it is super important. Uh, the key thing for me to tell people you should exercise that positive self-talk because it can really change how you walk into a, a resuscitation. I've adapted this myself, and I, it's it's so much better mentally for myself, and therefore I can be there for my team and for that patient. I love it. Alan? Nothing good happens without practice. We talking about practice? We talking about practice? Yes, Alan Iverson, we're talking about practice. Practice makes perfect. I love it. So with that, I thank everybody for taking the time to talk about a zero-point survey. And this will conclude our Resus X series. Talk to you later from Philadelphia. All the best. Bye.